Hello, Stephen. Hello, David. How are you? I'm, look, surprisingly relaxed, given that I'm in the middle of what I think is either my new normal or just the busiest that I've been in a long time. You know, it might be... uh... It might be the new normal because every time we talk, you seem to be you know, throwing yourself into more and more things and getting busier and busier. Yeah, and look, I'm a sucker for that. Like, I love, I'm not going to say I love being busy, but Is I it, love being have, with have people. Tri- have you tried not? You tried tried not going? being busy. Man, yeah. you just described the, the four and a half years of my job life before this job. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry, I d- didn't mean to, you know, bring back any, you know. Bad memories or you know, oh, no, it's the, missing, missing times. It's not, it's not bad memories. And I'm finding actually that, like I had to, I think I told you before, I had to unfollow on Facebook, unfriend a whole bunch of people that I used to work with because oh. just seeing their status updates pop up in my feed made me kind of go, oh, I actually miss working with them. Oh. And uh, some of them is because they're nice people. And mm. some of them are just because they would, you know, going to they're talking about going to do this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't need to. Like, I actually enjoyed my job, yep. um, and it was disappointing that they said, so we're making you redundant just because we're changing our business model and stuff. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the job that I'm in. I'm, I'm th- obviously throwing myself headlong into that. But just the... There was just a lot of things about the last job that I, I really I really dug that mm. are not in this job. Uh, See- but... I get more people in this job, and that's important. That's good. See, see I, I'm not a big Facebooky person at all. So every, every time I have a colleague that leaves, and it's and and you get the obligatory email to the largest uh, distribution list that they think they oh, can get away with, yeah. um, and there's the whole and oh, you know, and and keep in touch. And I'm just like, yeah, that just that's never going to happen. No, that's not happening at all. That's <laughs> exactly just, right. There is no chance of that happening. Well, I mean, I, I, and. I mean, it's made it's made worse because I am the only employee from my organisation in the town that I live in. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, I have to drive an hour and a half to see someone else who I work with, and that's only one more person. And to see any more than that, I need to drive three hours. Yeah, um, and that doesn't happen all that often. So when it's people from an office who you know I might have spoken with almost daily. Yeah. Um, as just as part of our job, but yeah, when that person leaves, it's just like. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me horrible or not, but no, there's a pragmatism <laughs> to it, right? The, the flip side is that, um, you know, old job and, and I'm only on Facebook now because new job demands that I do a whole bunch more on Facebook. So that's, there's that. Uh, and I am loving the fact that you can include animated. Uh, look, I'm going to call it GIFs. I know it's supposed to be GIFs, but GIF that. Um, uh, and it, as comments like that's just transformed my life. Um, uh, but in, in doing that, it's like, oh, I don't need to know all about all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I do have a friend that still works there that just texts me like the first line of all of the, you know, we've had to get rid of someone. And I just keep getting this, you know, we regret to announce that today is X person's last day. Oh, do they do that on, not on Facebook, surely? No, no, they don't. No, no, no. Okay. He's, he's just keeping me in the loop okay, of what's okay. going on. And he hasn't yet said, oh, and we've hired, you know, three more people. It's all, you know, we regret yep. to inform. Yeah. I was going to say, because, look, I work for an organisation that has used um, layoffs as part of their budgeting strategy for, I don't know, how many years oh, now, yeah. and even they don't put stuff on Facebook, so I thought that would be that would be very, very harsh. Yeah, no, that would be super cool. <laughs> oh, look, but that said, like, you hear stories of, of people getting sacked by 
uh, text message and that sort of thing. So surely it can't be that far away. <laughs> Someone oh. getting a, a don't come Monday via Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? What, 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 it's the thing. Imagine it's, it's on Twitter. Do you send us a direct message or you just post it? <laughs> <laughs> just put it in their mentions, These by the way. don't need to turn up to work next week. <laughs> the other, yeah, the 140 character limit. Actually, well, the, the character limit's gone for usernames now, so mm. you could, couldn't you? You could oh. fire the whole company in one tweet. <laughs> yeah. If everybody's on Twitter. Oh, that would be ludicrous. <laughs> Remember back in the days when uh, organizations would like start their their actual business website and status pages on Tumblr on oh, the cheap. Well, now yeah. you can run your HR department on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just send this oh. at this send this at reply to someone come and see me or we need to have a direct message conversation. Oh, um, it's it, horrible. We're at the time of year, Dave, where because of budgetary pressure Particularly, contractors get told, "Yeah, yeah, you're finishing up on the 26th of June, and well, what about an extension? No, I don't think that's possible." And then on about the 4th of July, they get a phone call, "Hey, you want to come back and work for us?" Ugh, yeah, Blech. crazy stuff, isn't it? I, I do not like that. I do. I, 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 I'm I'm very happy to be old-fashioned and in a job. Like I've been with the same employer. Yeah, give me a job. Yeah, yeah I've been in the, with the same employer now for you know. Over a decade and a half, and I and I cannot say that it upsets me. <laughs> it's just, it's all, like pretty good. Like, yeah, that, no, I I know who to email about payroll. I know yeah. where this happens, and it, yeah, like I I don't know that I would be cut out for the fast pace world of contracting or chopping and changing. Mm. And n- n- no, In, the idea of insecure work uh, terrifies me, Malk, and, and it. it it's one of those things where you, you see that as part of the larger public debate where I you know, always come down on the side of, well, actually, I, I don't think workplace flexibility is all that it's cracked up to be, quite honestly, mm. because it seems to just end up with people not knowing whether or not they could take out a mortgage or whether they might be, you know, looking for a handout in six months. I, I, I don't like that, Steve. Flexibility in where you work is excellent, and even if possible, the hours that you work, I think that is an excellent way to fit into lifestyle employment dynamics, but you're right, the flex, the idea that a flexible workforce that is, I don't know, I just work from contract to contract, which in the industry that you work, that I used to work in, um, is oh, it's all diabolical and the standard. Yeah. Absolutely. Horrible. And, and, and look, for some people are really good at it, and if their skills are really in yeah. demand, they make it work, and they, they, they do very, very well out of it financially, and it fits their lifestyle. Oh, no. It just it terrifies me. Can I go on record as saying I don't understand those people? Like, I did contract for a couple of years uh, in a couple of different jobs, and it just made me kind of tighter in the chestal area. Yeah. Um, where it was like, oh, but what if, like, if they sort of, if, if tomorrow they tell me not to come, I know that my contract says they've got to give me X week's notice, but they just give me the money and I leave. And I have to go and find another job. Now, I know in itself that's no different to another job, but at least in a, you know, a normal full-time job, if they say, look, you know, we don't want you to come back because we've got problems or whatever, um, at least they have to I, you know, give you a reason, i.e. you're fired because you're grossly incompetent, or mm. they have to make you redundant and prove that that's the case by not then shuffling someone else into the job that you just had. Yeah. It's a very, yeah. The, the whole, I've, I have formally applied for one, one. Don't, you'll depress me, please. About 
three or four jobs in my entire life. Yeah, it's and, stuffed. And I've sat through, and that includes my very, very productive stint as a like a Christmas worker at Sanity. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, yeah, uh, I was not cut out for the world of retail, Steve. <laughs> Because they had these expectations that I simply was not willing to meet. Like, they had this expectation that if they put you on a shift until, say, you know, 5.30... Yes. Then they would pay you until 5.30, and that you would hang around until 6.30. No. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no. I was like, I'm happy to hang around to 6.30, but you're going to pay me for that hour. 100% correct. It's it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, And apparently that... That wasn't showing team spirit, Steve. <laughs> nah, see, this this hiding behind team spirit, bollocks, this <laughs> yes. gets me because my wife's in, in a kind of similar position. She's not in retail, but she's in a job where she is contracted for a year. Um, she works at our kids' school. I'm not now, no name's no pack drill because I don't want to get her in trouble. Not that anyone don't be creepy. Don't, don't go Googling. Don't be creepy. Oh, yeah, good luck to you. You may work it out. I may have said at some other time, but it's not the point. Anyway, because she's um, uh, like a teacher's aide in that scenario, not a teacher, mm-hmm. the way that they handle those kind of ancillary stuff is that they're on a year-to-year contract. Now, that's fine. Um, at least, you know, there's the surety of she has this many days work across the year, and that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, in that scenario, teaching uh, uh, ancillary staff break for the holidays, but don't get paid, which mm-hmm. makes sense. You don't work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So when school holidays are on, there's no work, but still home for the kids. At the end of the year, now the way it's happened the last couple of years is there has kind of been by Christmas we know if there's work next year. Yep. Um, but the contract ends, and until you get new contract, you don't technically have new job. Yep. Now yep. because she's part time, there are yeah you know, you've got to attend meetings and you get called come and be a part of this thing or we want you to do this stuff. And I understand that having worked in a school myself, I know the expectations of to make a school work, you have to do these things. The thing that burns me and she's like, well, you know, like it's okay or I'll, I'll make it work or I don't want to upset the apple cart. When she has a day off, i.e. a day that she's not working and gets told there's a meeting you have to be at and she doesn't put down that she worked for that hour, two hours, whatever. Yeah, I would because so goes, be well, doing I that. can't realise it. Rubbish. If they yeah. call you for a meeting, guess what? You're working. Absolutely. But Solidarity. But upset anybody. Oh, just no. absolutely pisses me off. Uh, I think, look, it's really interesting. One of the first places I worked after my big stint at Sanity, um, was, uh, one of the guys I worked with would um, you know berate anyone who left at 5.30 as being a clock watcher. Um, and he was one of these guys. He would get in super, super early yeah. uh, and be there after hours. Look, he would even actually go home to have a meal with his family and then come back oh, to work. What? <laughs> um, and I could never quite work out exactly what he did in those hours. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other story. Impregnate his wife. <laughs> but, but, well, no, the hours back in the office. She oh, didn't come back. Uh, but, but I very quickly got to the... No, 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 you know what? I, I'm not hanging about. Like, no, no one's given me a gold star for staying back. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> no, no one's throwing me a parade, and nothing of real value is getting done. So yeah. I don't feel the need to be here. And if you do need me to be here, you just let me know and pay me. 
It's as simple as yeah, that. Yeah, look at us pushing our bullshit agenda, Dave. Um, <laughs> well, it's very, very easy to do when you when you actually have a uh, a job no, <laughs> with yeah. a, a company with a HR department. And actually, okay, well, that said, we're, we're, I'm still on uh, the 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 last enterprise bargaining agreement that sort of that got struck back before work choices happened. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and How have they not grandfathered that and said you have to be on some new thing? I, I, I've got no idea. I, I don't know how it normally works. the point of an enterprise bargaining agreement is when they strike a new one, guess what? Hey, enterprise, you're all on it. Well, and they did. So we're all on that one. But, but, but like a new one didn't get struck. Like work choices <sighs> came and went. And they've just got individual contracts and haven't... No, wow. no, this is the thing. We don't have individual contracts. What? We're somehow still being... Oh, look, I don't know. We, we are still somehow being treated as though we are on this enterprise bargaining agreement, I think, from like 2004. Gosh. And the problematic thing about that is it lays out things like salary ranges and allowances. So oh, yeah. guess what hasn't changed since 2004? Well, I was going to say, there's, <laughs> there's got to be some agenda here. Either it reveals that you work for a company that has a HR department that is too big and everybody in it thinks that it's everyone else's problem to solve mm, and mm. that they're doing it because I'm not. Um, or you've got a company that's gone, we'll just leverage this until somebody starts making some noise and unless they start talking about the fair work ombudsman and those sorts of things, um, because they do such good work for workers. Well, that, well, that's exactly right. It's mm. interesting, you know. How many jobs did you say you've applied for? Uh, sanity, real estate, the IT place I worked, and then I didn't actually apply for the job that I have. I <laughs> didn't even have an interview. <laughs> what happened was, uh, so I was working for a little IT firm, and, and they did contract work. For the organisation I work for now, mm. um, and that was primarily what my job ended up being was just doing that contract work. And so I got in touch with the, the these people when I was leaving the small place because I mm. got sick of working there. There were all sorts of personnel problems with the owners there, uh, and so I, just sort of as a courtesy, I basically got in touch and said, "Look, I won't be doing the work from now on." Um, and they sort of called me back and they're like, oh, you know that we can't, you know, we can't give you the contract. I'm like, no, no, that, I, I'm not asking for that. I'm just letting you know I'm not going to be here. Someone else will. Uh, and so then they called me back a day later and said, oh, would you consider subcontracting back to your old oh, employer? And I was beautiful. just like, no, wow. no, not a chance. Like, I, I want to leave this organization. I want nothing to do with them. I don't find them trustworthy. No. I knew so then, a guy that I was working But hang on, hang on. Yeah. So then they called me back the day after that and said, well, how about you work for us directly instead? <laughs> Which nice. one I was like, sure. Although, that said, they then rented office space from my former employer oh, and made yeah. that my office. <laughs> Gosh. That was, I, how, that was how they sort of uh, smoothed it over, which is great. At one of my jobs, I was working with a guy who was a peon. He was a peon as well. We were doing whatever we were doing. And... Uh, we noticed that sort of one Friday afternoon, his desk seemed extremely clean and empty. Oh, no. Now, our thoughts were, oh, look, he's been given the flick. What's going on here? Uh, and then on Monday morning, he appeared back at his desk, but about an hour later than all of us. Um, you know, an hour later than when we sort of normally expected him to be there. And like, I, I couldn't keep it in. I said, what the, what the hell is going on? 
you know, it looked like you got the arse on Friday. You're back here now, but you're late. Did you get a reprimand or was He said, no, 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 no. Um, insert, insert company here, tech company that had a support contract with us, uh, offered me a job. So I quit. <laughs> and they're paying me $25,000 more to come back and do the same job. Oh, what? Yeah, that that's that's pretty good. Well, actually, that's kind of close to what I did. <laughs> I, I didn't hang around long at that job after that. I went, are you serious? They've outsourced your job to this organization who then headhunted you to come back and do the same job. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah actually, it's stuffed. That, that's pretty close to what happened to me. That's yeah, yeah. pretty close. It wasn't... Was, it wasn't actually. I was gonna say it wasn't quite that generous, but it was actually. It was that generous because I was being. Absolute, I don't think I was actually getting award wages at the place before yeah, I was at before it. Oh, uh, so you've you've got a one hundred percent success rate in job application to job securing. Oh, um, no, no, no. Actually, no. It's true. There's one other job. Um, I, I, I remember when ABC Open started. Yes. Yeah, I applied for a job for that and I didn't get it. So you're seventy five percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good hit rate. Oh, no, nah, look, that, that's interviews and, and proper applications. But like when I was unemployed, you know, I had to send out my requisite three a week. But yeah, n- yeah. none of those ever got. I, I didn't even get phone calls for those. I, and I actually ended up in a um, in a training course with uh, someone who worked at one of those places. Um, and yeah, you know, the thing came up. They were having all these hard time recruiting for this position. I said I actually applied for that, and they're, and they're like, "Really? I don't remember seeing your um, your application." I'm like, "Yeah, blah blah blah,", blah. and so they. Gave a bit of a spiel on who I am, and then they were yeah. like, "Oh no, you, you, yeah, no, I do remember that. You, you've got a degree, so we, we just chucked that one out." Oh, <laughs> don't the, the way so, that recruiters so, and employers. It's like, yeah, it's you, it's an entry level position, so you've got a degree, you can't have it. <laughs> like, oh man, oh. I mean, because I misinterpreted, thought that you'd only applied for four jobs. No, well, no, no, I've no, applied well, for four jobs in ten minutes. <laughs> like. And that's independent of me being for a short time on unemployment benefits about six years ago, yeah. Uh, which was the second time in my life that that was the case. Um, but it's like, I've, I've, if I had to count, first job after uni, and then I had a uh, second job, job on the Central Coast, job at school, job in science organisation, Job at lock manufacturer. Job, I've lost count already. I think it went five or six. Wow. Job at... You, you what see, is it? You, you, you're that person who... who you, you are a person who like puts the stats out that says 40-year-olds are supposed to have had seven jobs by now. And I'm just like... But they've all been in IT. Really? <laughs> it's depressing. That, apart from the first one, which was like just a peon warehouse guy job, yep. the rest of them have basically all been in IT. Oh, God, I forgot. I've missed one. Job out of school, two on the Central Coast. Um, school, science organisation, lock manufacturer, um, government organisation, construction company, real estate data company, education, regional education organisation, job that didn't pay me for six months, uh, cruise company. Um, <laughs> oh, well, they, they wanted you to get the feel of all their other employees who are on the boats. a whole other conversation <laughs> in that one. Um, <laughs> Mining company that I just had, uh, and now this one. So I think that's thirteen, if I've counted correctly. I'm in my thirteenth job. You're doing, you're doing all right. No, it's yeah. ludicrous, Dave, <laughs> because I expected hand on heart to yep. go into a job and do essentially 
my dad had a couple of jobs, but in part it was because redundancy, moving, that kind of thing. Yep. But I expected to do the get into job, stay in job, maybe change once. Well, because the, the only alternative to that that we ever saw in popular culture was you either lived in a, you stayed in that same job forever, or you were like Tom Good and you decided to live self-sufficiently out of your backyard and terrify your neighbours. That, that was it. That, was, that were the yeah. only two options that were presented. Walk around naked. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's crazy, right? Like, I look at, and the whole, because of that, I've applied for umpteen million jobs, right? Yep. And some of them were just making up the numbers. Some of them were making me, right, I feel like I've done something because I've applied for some jobs. Knowing full well I wouldn't even get a look in. Uh, but I have become expert at reading just shitty recruiter um, emails and, and job, you know, seek job descriptions. And going, oh, okay, so what they actually want is someone who this, this, this. To the point where, had I not got this job, I was seriously considering starting a job as a recruiter. Oh, no. Oh, and I That's a fake hate, worse than... Oh. hate recruiters. <laughs> like, these guys are the pond scum on the bottom <laughs> of the pool of used car salesmen's houses. It's, uh, oh, it makes yeah. me so angry the way that... Because you know that, that you send in your resume and all they do is control F. We're looking for someone <laughs> with. Skill yeah. this. Oh, they say they mention it. Oh, they say... It. And even then, I send it through and I've caught... I, I, this was my drill. Find out where, like, who, what, who the recruiter is. Read the thing. Yep, it sounds like good. Send off my thing. The next day, ring up. Hi. And even though it happened by email, I know they got it. <laughs> Just checking you got my resume. Oh, I'm not sure. Let me check. No, we don't seem to have. Oh. Well, let me explain to you while you're looking who I am and what I've done. And look, honestly, uh, 50% of the time, that sold me and got me an interview. But the thing that I hate more than anything is that, oh, yeah, come in and have a chat with us. We want to make sure you don't have two heads in a view. That <laughs> is bullshit and time-wasting. Oh, yep. Like, yep. no. And, and, the, and the worst is the ones where they say that, and then make sure you dress like you're going to the interviews. And I've said to them, am I going to see your client? No. Then I'm not wearing a tie to talk to you. <laughs> see, he... The whole thing terrifies me because, like I said, I don't have a lot of practice in this, and I don't use Facebook, and I don't, I don't use LinkedIn either, and I'm terrified one of these days, Steve, that I'm going to need to look for a job, <laughs> and by this stage, the only things that are left on the entire internet are going to be Facebook and LinkedIn. Oh. And because I'm not on LinkedIn, no one will believe that I've ever had a job or know anybody. <laughs> or you'll just list like two jobs and they'll go, well, he's not very experienced. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, oh. The fact that it will say job one, 10 years, job two, 12 years. So <sighs> what sort of a rut was he in? <laughs> um, it, it, oh, it just burns me so bad. Mind you, Dave, I'm in a similar situation in that because this job essentially represents a career change mm. for me, yes. if in 18 months' time, where now I have a full-time job with the church organisation I work for, but the project I'm working on is funded for two years, yep. if they decide to not renew, refund, extend that project, technically I still have a job with them, and they might go, oh, well, here's this project, go and work on this one, Mark which may be great, may not be anything that I'm interested in, or they might go, we don't have anything, so unfortunately, thanks, we'll make you redundant. Yep. Now, apart from the fact that the redundancy stuff isn't great, 
uh, who the hell's going to want to employ me that will be by then a 46-year-old, air quotes, social media expert? (laughs) No one will care. (laughs) And I am beyond caring about learning how Windows Server any version works anymore. I'm not there anymore. Social media expert guy. Oh, well, but this is the thing. I mean, because it's church stuff, it's reasonably uh, new and transformative what my role actually is. So I have to be acutely aware that the stuff I'm doing needs to be interesting and different and trying a whole bunch of things. And I've got the opportunity to do that. Um, however, I also need to be casting my eye around and making sure I'm making really good relationships with places that should this be in a position where I need to find a new job. I can just basically say, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Are you looking for someone like me? Because I've got all this skill and all this knowledge and all this presenting stuff and I can go and speak at your conferences and all the things. Please give me a job, please. Yeah, look, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it, it's funny, Mike. I think you and I at different times have both started to, uh, you know, we, we, we've tried to build blogging and podcasting empires, but it turns out that yeah. the only way to do that seems to be to have already been someone who was an editor of a major <laughs> Uh, magazine or uh, on so radio. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy how that works, isn't it? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> so so few people outside the media, um, and I include comedians in the media in that context, so few people outside the media are having any kind of traction with, uh, you know, let's make a podcast, do a thing. I mean, even the fact that Channel 9 have gone down the path of making podcasts as a, as a sideline business venture is great. But all they're doing is employing all these old media heads to freaking talk into a stick. Like, really? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no one cares what Phil Gould thinks when he talks on television, <laughs> let alone on a podcast. Oh, boy. Oh, it could be worse. I mean, they... <laughs> oh, I'm not they, sure how. <laughs> they could be doing, like, embedded Phil Gould videos that, like, pop oh. up in your social... Have you noticed that Instagram's been ruined about three weeks ago? If Channel 9 is listening to this, by the way, that's our idea, you owe us money. If you've got Phil Gould popping up in videos online. Uh, but don't give them ideas, Dave, because they'll... It's, it's all right, Steve. No one's listening. What, Instagram? Uh, what's happening? Oh, well, it, like, it used to be that every blue moon you might see an ad on Instagram. And, mm. and it, would be, it would be this weird experience because you'd, you'd, like, you'd look at this photo that wouldn't... Like, it would be very nicely composed and whatnot... You look at it and you sort of look at the username and you go, I don't, I don't remember that. following yes. this person. And then you go, oh, it's an ad. Yes, is that what and, they are? And then what you do is you go, hide advert. It's not relevant to me. Yes, gone. <laughs> and, and then you wouldn't see another one for you know, weeks, maybe months. Oh, Dave. And obviously obviously the, uh, the, the, the click-through rate or whatever uh, isn't up to the standards that Facebook want anymore. So... Their solution is now, it seems to be about every fifth photo on Instagram is now an ad. We are through the looking glass here, Dave, let me tell you. Because we're now in my back pocket as far as stuff that I know that's going on. And you know the thing? Like, I I loved Instagram. Like, there there, there are photos on there from my crappy old iPhone 3G. It wasn't even 3GS. Like, there were no selfies on that phone because it didn't have a front-facing camera. Years ago. (laughs) Right? So... So I loved, I've always loved Instagram. I, I would, I would pay, I would pay money to use Instagram every single year. I would not 
blanch at that for a minute. But putting these crappy, crappy ads and the volume of them just mm. makes me just not even want to makes me not want to use it, Steve. It's well, there's horrible. a few things that are starting to happen. I mean, of course, because Instagram is part of Facebook now. Um, guess what? Facebook are using as a test platform for including ads uh, in videos on Facebook. Oh, They're testing uh, it on Instagram. Ugh. And it's horrible. It, oh, it's, it's even worse than that. I mean, we see sponsored posts popping up more and more. Um, and, you know, just like, because I, I have two Instagram accounts, my personal one, which predominantly is just me being an idiot and TV stuff. And my work one, which is all about the Jesus stuff. Now, in the Jesus one, in the Jesus feed, I'm getting sponsored posts for Tofop and <laughs> um, Fetch TV. And I have to quick, I have to keep double checking which feed I'm looking at. Because it's uh. like, look, this is relevant to my other interests, but not these interests. So how about you stop that, guys? Um, and of course, the end game is Facebook wanting to be able to monetize video because they've encouraged video to be such a huge part of the platform now that... You've got content creators just pumping video into it. And of course, now people stealing it, scraping the video and putting the little big black bars at the top and bottom and making out like it's their video. Yes. And posting it and doing all those sorts of things. And if you're lucky, getting a credit, you know, I'll credit someone with a, a tacit link in the description. Jerks, that's not even a thing. Um, but now we're about to see either pre-roll or mid-roll ads. Mid-roll oh, ads what? forced into your Facebook videos. Well, look, on the upside, because I don't use Facebook, I don't care. But it's ruining Instagram, Stephen. I don't think you understand. I don't know. See, no, I understand, Dave. See, Steve, what you're saying, I'm sure, is very interesting to you, and it's interesting to other people, but that doesn't ruin my Instagram feed, Stephen. No, it doesn't fix it either. <laughs> I was going to say, let's focus on the real problem here, Steve, and that's whatever problem is currently f facing me. <laughs> Well, Dave, here, I'll ask you a question. Are you are you an Instagram stories fan or are you just a normal Instagram posty person? Well, no, I, I am a bit of a stories fan, actually, okay. Steve. I, I, I See, I, I, I got into the, the groove with the uh, the in Instagram uh, stories. I, I, I put very different stuff on there to what I put on the feed. It, it, mm -hmm. It's a different sort of content about, you know, do you want this to hang around or is it a bit more uh, transient? And, and, and I, I, I like that. Um, Look, I, I think it's I think it's wonderful the way that Instagram are just stealing more and more features from Snapchat every single day because that means it is good because that means I don't need to learn how to use Snapchat. So, that <laughs> or you've learned how to use Snapchat but not calling it Snapchat. Well, yeah, one or the other. Either way, it's it's all good. All right, uh, no, that's an important thing because there's a second part to this question. But, but see, hang on, I was going to say, but see, the important difference is, mm. and, and and you know, in full disclosure, you know as well as I do that I am on Snapchat, so I do see, I do see Stephen Mock that you post the same content sometimes to Instagram, yeah, and to Snapchat. I, I well, I, 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 that that just seems wrong. Surely, surely there should be some demarcation. No, oh, I, I don't Stephen. have the energy. But but then just pick one, pick one. I need to be on all of them. No. Dave. <laughs> it's, it's, help Stephen, me though. Help me is, understand. Is, is this an intervention time, have Stephen? You, you have don't you have to be on every deep in Facebook Sorry. stories. Well, well, no. Okay, so again, when I say I don't use Facebook, I don't. I have a Facebook mm. uh, account, but. I set that up uh, when I was in Cambodia because all of the people I was traveling with were using Facebook Messenger as the way that we were keeping in touch. Sure. So I went, fine, I'll jump on, I'll add you, 
like 10 people as yeah. friends. Done. Um, and, and, and that was it. Uh, and so basically since I got back from Cambodia, which is two and a bit years ago now, <laughs> I, I haven't done anything on Facebook. Like occasionally I look on, like I know our kids hockey club has a page on there. So sometimes I'll look that up for some info mm. or whatever, but, but that's it. Like I, I, it's not a regular part of my world. So I don't even know what Facebook stories are. I'm going to assume they're like uh, Instagram stories, which means they're like Snapchat stories, but exactly. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Thing. <laughs> Perfect. And this, this puzzles me, right? Because if you, let's say that you're a human that uses, actually uses Facebook. Right, sure. And you're a person that actually uses Instagram. Same person. Mm. Let's not even start to get Snapchat into this. If you're using Instagram and you're doing your story stuff and, you know, whatever, and then look, lots of people make a thing out of it. It's awesome. Why would you then want to do Facebook stories? And if you're on Facebook, why would you do Facebook stories uh, but still have an Instagram account? Like, what's the point? I'm not, I know that there are some people that are on both things, but if you're not on both things, why are you going to want to make a Facebook story? Like, this seems to be the weirdest Venn diagram that you could ever draw People that are on Facebook but know what stories are and choose to use them. Yeah, yeah I, look, I, I think the well, all I can get is, is they're trying to see anything that's popular anywhere, make sure every one of our users can have access to it so they never need to go and investigate anything else. Like, they're, they're trying to turn Gosh. all their platforms into, like, Swiss army knives. It's, I mean, look at the way that Twitter's gone and ruined itself repeatedly o over the years by yeah. adding on features that no one asked for and that they end up not really wanting and that don't make things better. Um, and, like, believe me, if Twitter thought that they could come up with a way to add stories that didn't seem absolutely ridiculous uh, as opposed to just, you know, posting pictures to Twitter, they would do it in a heartbeat. Because this is the other thing for me about the stories, and this is where I struggle with Snapchat. I understand it. I understand how it all works. I know why we do things. But the, the old school creator in me says, why am I going to spend any time feeding any content into a thing that just vanishes? See, whereas I, I'm approaching it from uh, a very different direction to the point where I have actually told my kids, right, if you're going to interact with people, do it on Snapchat so that it goes away. But it doesn't. I mean, like, it does in the transient sort of ethereal, on, on the chat, ephemeral on the nature of it. On the chat side, it does, though. Like, the, like, like this, well, I mean, the stories hang around for 24 hours, but I don't think... You can still the, screenshot it. Yeah, but but if you do, that that person at least gets a message that says, "Hey, your thing has been screenshotted." So, at, at which point you go, "Well, I'm never sending someone to that sending things to that person ever again." Or, or you're like, oh, you're, sure, but the damage can be done, and that's oh, not a yeah, case for dicks like me to have two <laughs> mobile phones. I don't have to screenshot your thing. I can just take no, a photo of it with my other phone. Fair point. I guess it's like you're never going to get rid of all of the, the, the risks, are you? But I guess I'm at least going from the perspective of if you send an iMessage or a text yeah. or something like that, that is something that is just built to be forwarded on and stored forever and distributed broadly. Yes. It, you know, at least there's a bit more friction when it comes to stuff in, you know, in, in Snapchat. And I reckon that... that like you but take what you can get. Quick, take a photo, write a you know little thing, put a, a you know, sticker on there, draw some lines, color in, post. And yeah. if you're out having a life and doing things, and you might do five of them across the day, that's fine. 
ultimately, that's five minutes per thing that you're spending on putting all the things on it to make no. it be a part of your story. No. Oh, okay. So stories are different. So again, it depends what you're doing. See, like some people use Instagram stories brilliantly. Like they do. Like it is its own format. Like either combining some video with lots of. Um, photos with with you know, a bit of text on it, but you know, telling a real story. Or then you've got me at the other extreme. It's like um, I'm up early and I'm going to do a selfie of me because I've just finished a run and I'm feeling really proud of myself. But I'm not going to put that on my Instagram feed because, to be quite honest, I look horrendous at like 6:45 after I've you know, been running for almost an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like let, let's have the moment. Let, let's yeah. let, let people acknowledge that this happened. Let's not have that burned into everyone's retinas or somewhere easily searchable for years to come. Yes. Look, and, and I understand those things. I just, I just, as someone who would want to put effort into that rather than just, you know, because the flip side is that I'm not finishing exercise at quarter past six in the morning and whatever. Mind you, if I did, I would be, you'd have a thousand photos <laughs> in a story for me. Look at me. I went for a walk. How good am I? Here's my post walk something. Yeah, like, yeah. rub it in your face, you schmoes. Um, <laughs> oh, listen, don't, don't worry. I, I don't. I try not to get too preachy when, uh, about exercise <laughs> on, on Instagram because I don't need to because the, the, the route that I normally run um, goes past a suburban 24-hour Maccas <clears> and <throat> I have never run there and not seen cars in the drive-thru. So I get all my smug out just by looking over at the Maccas and just you know, smiling at the people in the cars. And the best <laughs> so, part is that half of I'm, them are still in there. Active wear from either being out or going to the gym. No, they're not. To be honest with you, most of them are tradies. But there's there's plenty of people yeah. in there. Oh, you go grabbing grabbing a, a a sneaky bacon and egg McMuffin on the way to work mm. and that, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Fitzbo AF, man. <laughs> I wish. Oh dear. But but anyway, no, but, I don't know, Steve. I I have really really reached the point where. Um, you know the whole thing about how anything that, uh, that that exists when you're born you see as being normal. Mm. Um, anything that ha- is created, you know, through your twenties to your forties is new and exciting, and anything after your forties is strange and weird, and no one should do it. I, I find myself rapidly right running into the, that line <laughs> of thinking, and it's really frightening. Like I can I can see it happening, <laughs> just like. What's this? Mm. Well, back in my day, we didn't do. Blah, blah. No, it's it's not shaking your fist at a cloud, telling kids to get off your digital lawn. <laughs> it is. It's like I wish Twitter used to be like this, and Twitter was. It's like, it's like oh, listen to yourself. You're an idiot. <laughs> Somebody posted a screenshot uh, because it's like an anniversary of Twitter today. Oh, on Kotki, yeah. Uh, and it's just it showed this very simple text-based blah, blah, and even had, you know, such and such from web, from yep. phone. Like, it indicated yep. the way that they had passed the message through into Twitter. And apart from the, the, the website looking pretty average, but that was of the time, uh, it just kind of was a scary thing that Twitter's been around that long. Mind you, that Douglas Adams quote that you just reeled off at me, that's what I opened my understanding your kids and their digital life presentation with. It's a it might it brings the house down. Old people love it. <laughs> oh dear. And that's us now, Mog. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I hope, honestly, because I, I have to keep abreast of this stuff. I hope that I never get to the point where I go, I don't want to learn about that. Um, 
That said, I know already that there are things that are going, I don't give two rats bums about that. I don't want to have headspace. Like, I was referring to it before. My life uh, before my last job was tech support, you know, Mm -hmm. making stuff go and building servers and doing all that sort of stuff. Uh, And I dutifully kept up to date with every latest iteration of Windows Server and desktop and all of the rest of it. I'm at a point right now where when my PC that I currently have on my desk, which got upgraded to Windows 10 for free, thank you, Microsoft, when it craps itself, I'm very seriously just going, I'll buy an iMac. <laughs> yep. Like, a, a, it's a, the, all too the hard. Under the under the hood stuff I don't care about. I know enough to be able to make smart decisions about what's there, but I don't care that I can't or don't want to or it's you know, very difficult to replace the RAM myself. I just want it to work. You know, it's about the what I do experience with it as opposed to, I, you know, I built my own PC for 1200 bucks. Yeah, I... I I I was never in that um, that that sort of line of thinking, despite being in IT all this time. Like, um, you know, like, d- despite them being a competitor, I've owned Apple Gear since two thousand. It, it's basically mm. the only stuff that we've had in our house, and um, and it is because of that like yeah, all this uh, esoteric stuff of getting this. I don't care. But I just do mm. not care. Don't don't want to know. And and uh, like the problem is though, it's all it's also getting um, to the point where uh, if I'm reading, it, say a bit of news, yeah, like long form is not quite so problematic because I'll usually make the effort to read everything. But a lot of news stuff, I find myself very very quickly getting to that point where. I'm going to get maybe two paragraphs in and snap to a judgment and go, where does this fit in my pre-existing mm. thinking on this area? Yeah. Uh, is, does this confirm it or challenge it? And almost regardless of whether it confirms it or challenges it, I'm like, yeah, that's enough. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, it's if you don't have the information in those first three paras, you're just yep. pushing it up a hill. Yep. I, I, yeah, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Unless you're a writer that I particularly respect or have hunted out to read or someone said, hey, this is a good article. I will read the first two or three paras, maybe scan the rest of the article, uh, and particularly if you bury the lead, like if you're saying, oh, such and such, this, such, this, and then in paragraph seven, you change gears to something else. Honestly. Yeah, bad luck. It's gone. Hi. Hey, oh, speaking of that sort of thing, have you seen uh, Nuzzle? Speaking of what? new thing, Nuzzle, N-U-Z-Z-E-L. What it is... I, I really love it. Sounds this. like something out of Silicon Valley, <laughs> well, like the, the comedy show Silicon yeah. Valley. <laughs> Close enough. But what this thing does, like, it's like um, anti-social Twitter, right? So <laughs> what you do is what? You, hang on, hang on. What you do is you because you, know, you know you probably like me. You're one of these people who go, oh, I wonder what's happening. I'll jump on my Twitter feed and I'll find out what everyone's tweeting about. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what Nuzzle does is it basically even takes that old check what's happening step away from you. So you tell it, like you give it your Twitter details so it finds out who are all the people you follow and it just follows their feeds. And when you open up the Nuzzle app, it goes, oh, guess what? Uh, 10 people you follow have all shared this same link. It's like, oh, what? thank you. I will look at that. And then you can you know, read the story and you, know, and you can change your filters on, on what sort of story, like how many stories it shows you. Uh, like, is it, over the last four hours or the last 24 hours? Um, are there any thresholds of how many people have to share it before it'll show it to you, all this sort of stuff. Um, so it's all quite customizable. But it means, like, rather than getting, like, 
stuck in Twitter. And because and, you also get that thing where, like, you're on Twitter, you're like, oh, I've seen a link to that. Like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, this way, you just go, oh, look, here are four interesting things. I'll read them. And then, so I find myself actually spending less time on Twitter because one of the best things about Twitter is now being outsourced to this completely other app on my phone. <laughs> so, and like, it's not like I'm, I'm the most prolific tweeter anyway. Like, I was always probably one who read more than I than I tweeted, apart from every now and again when I'd go on like a little tweet rampage. But, um, but yeah, now I'm even doing less of the, the reading because it's like, oh, well, I've got all the links. I know what everyone's talking about and... Unless it's something that really catches my attention, go. Oh, I wonder what people are saying about this beyond just sharing it. It's like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> I'll go over to Instagram and post some selfies instead. <laughs> Build up my story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did Nuzzle tell you anything about the fixed network ten hashtag? Um, no. Well, no, but I, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure someone. I'm sure there was something in there somewhere. But oh, look, uh, and let me go on record as saying that that I realise that for the people who are working there, this, like this is this is serious stuff. Yeah, oh, absolute reality. I, I, I do not want to make light of, of that, um, but I do have this overwhelming sense that a lot of the things that are wrong with Australian media have very little to do with. Um, the the people we see, um, and it has a lot to do with uh, games that are being played Faceless by a- accountants and yeah. and people like that uh, who are usually unaccountable and who will also either not be hurt or in some cases will um, make bank if things go badly for the organisation. And I'm always really suspicious of any media proprietor's uh, solution to fixing media problems when it requires. Uh, legislation to give them more freedom, which usually re- re- is um, you know, less responsibility. <laughs> That's me. That's all I know yeah. about it. You tell me. You tell me. Tell me about. Oh, we're we're opening a can of worms, um, because the most interesting part of it is this is I think the second time ten have been in voluntary administration. Mm. The third time that they've been staring down a uh, pretty diabolical situation financially, as far as going into receivership and stuff. Yep. And it's absolutely of their own making. Um, and all the owners and the board do is just keep shaving money off the budgets, cutting things, and expecting it to somehow magically bounce back to life. But Stephen, um, they had... Bi- Stephen, not in that way. They had a proxy for business genius Gina Reinhardt on their board, and they started the Bolt Report. How could they possibly not be making money? I'll take that question. Uh, Dave, I'm glad you asked that. Um, shut up. The, the, the interesting thing is that the solution that has since come to pass, even in like sort of the week that we're, we're talking, like they've suspended trading on the, on the share market, then went into voluntary administration, and then um, Lachlan Murdoch and Bruce Gordon, two of the three billionaires that currently have underwritten the $200 million loan facility that comes due at the end of the year, uh, that have said, no, we're not going to you know, give you a new one. We know you're asking for a $250 million loan in place of that. Um, they've gone, nah. But then what they've said actually is, oh, you know what? It would make sense if we went into, formed our own partnership. So Win and the power of uh, News Corp forming a, a partnership that bought 10, delisted it. Oh, made it a private organisation. Mm. 
uh, and went on about its life and did all of its things. Now, for that to happen, two of the existing media rules that are currently asking to be reformed by the Senator for Communications have to change. The, the reach rule, uh, the 75% rule and the two-thirds ownership rule have to change for both of those guys to be able to make this happen. Stephen, it's almost as if Network this 10 is what failing... what wanted it to do. It's almost like uh, it's failing is, yeah, is a helpful thing for them. Isn't it's on that purpose. Oh. And they then... So, and this is the, the part was delightful. Oh. You've got the government going, so to Labour and the Greens and One Nation... If you don't vote for this reform package, all these people will lose their jobs. This company will go under and it's on your watch. And then you've got presenters on TV shows and on social media saying, A, keep watching us, which is exactly the right thing. Hey, we're still here. We're not dead yet. Um, But B, the media reform package has to go through. Yeah, see. Without a hint of irony. Uh, a television presenter is saying that the media has to be reformed so that we can survive. See, it, it's funny, Steve. I don't recall the... Uh, and, and look, I'm not as close a watcher of the, the business as you are, but I don't recall when Channel 7 went into uh, administration after um, uh, Scacy's Quintrex couldn't pay its mm. bills anymore. I don't seem to recall that we massively changed the ownership rules for Australian no. media at that point, did we? No, we did um, not. No. And, and you know what? Again, you are the t- you are the the insider when it comes to TV in this relationship, Stephen. Just tell me, Channel Seven, they're doing all right these days, aren't they? Well, they are making it look like they are. That's for sure. But that is because Seven West Media own Channel Seven, the Seven Network, and um, a massive mining company. So. <laughs> One is effectively propping the other up. <laughs> so what you're saying is that, that Channel Seven, sorry, Channel Ten shouldn't be sold to Lachlan Murdoch and Bruce Gordon. It should actually be sold to Twiggy Forest. Wouldn't that make oh, our democracy better? Or Gina Reinhart, <laughs> or Bolt, all the time. Um, and and you know, honestly, you know what I reckon is the best way for Ten to at least start to get out of this, but it won't be. They won't get out of it if they go down this path. Is to either stay public or delist and become the free-to-air output channel or suite of channels for Foxtel content. So leverage the agreements that Foxtel have Mm -hmm. and, for example, start showing season one of Game of Thrones on, I don't know, uh, Wednesday night, 8.30. Because now that the um, television, uh, what do you call it? Um, The the, the rude bit rules. Censorship. Yeah, the censorship laws have changed. Yep. Guess what they can show at 8.30? Tits out, bums out. Uh, hey. it, it, and monsters and raping and all of the things. Like, they could show it in the context. And I know that Game of Thrones is the biggest TV show in the world. And, and I use this for this example. Not everyone in Australia is watching it. Not everyone in Australia has watched it or cares to try and access it. But you put it on free-to-air television, guess what's going to happen? People, People watch are going to go, what the <laughs> hell is this? And how do I get more of it? Or not just that. People who have seen it will just go, oh, that's on. I'll watch that again. That's <laughs> like, exactly right. I mean, wait, seriously, how many times has every person in, in Australia seen the Shawshank Redemption? Not because they've sorted out, but because you go, oh, that's on. Oh, that's and then on. you just don't leave the television. Oh, Channel 10, the Devil Wears Prada Network. Yes! You know, it's, it, it's ludicrous. But like, And they've got 
original drama. Like, we're up to the nearly the end of the fifth season of Wentworth. Yep. They could absolutely start showing season one on 10 and make a killing. It's that good. Even though, again, it's been around for four or five years, put it on free-to-air television. There's already synergies between 10 and Foxtel behind Gogglebox and, uh, you ready for this one, a Gogglebox-style program about the news called Common Sense. Oh, um, God. Oh, it's coming. Uh, <laughs> like, that, they're co-productions that already happen. Yep. So, to, to just have this stuff where we've made it or we've made these arrangements for the content to air like this, I can't be the only one having this thought, right? It wouldn't cost them that much to say, hey, HBO, we know we bought the exclusive rights to show Game of Thrones in Australia. That cost us a lot of money. How much would it cost us to allow it five years later now to mm. start showing season one on free-to-air television? And you know how HBO are going to go? Oh, look, it's chump change at that point. Exactly. So, well, and, and especially, is it's still not like... Uh, HBO uh, selling their streaming service in Australia or anything like that. So not yet. F- for most people, it, it's just too much effort to to bloody get. Well, with the latest Foxtel Now stuff, it's cheaper to legitimately pay Foxtel to get Game of Thrones via their Foxtel Now streaming service than it is to pay for HBO Now subscription and a VPN. Can you actually like scream it on your television, or do you, have you yeah. still got it? A- oh, ooh. Chromecast. Um, it, it's in browser like yep. uh, like yep. you know Netflix and Stanner. By the end of the year, they'll have an Apple TV app. Um, it's the, Foxtel are finally doing what they should have done when they first started <laughs> Foxtel six or seven game. years ago. <laughs> six or seven years ago, and there's people wonder why things like Channel Ten are going belly up. Um, yeah, it's all sorts of crazy. But the, I just and you're right because at the absolute core of it, we've got your Sandra Sullys and your Hugh Rimmingtons and your whoever else you love on Channel 10 that are still at Channel 10 mm. that are going, well, holy shit, man, are we going to have a job in three months' time? Now, the short answer is yes, it would be a disaster if the federal government allowed 10 to fold. Um, but but when the, the organisation's is... share price made its total value of the organisation about $30 million less than its CBS output deal earlier in the year... <laughs> Yes, shit has to change. Sure, and and the thing is, the the when you're now getting into the like, I don't know if you've seen Pretty Woman, Steve, but um, explain to me the uh, the <laughs> go. Well, the important part of of Pretty Woman is it turns out that there are people who look for companies who have assets available mm. that are more valuable than the actual share price mm. of the the business, and yes. they and they they buy those businesses. And then they on-sell those assets and make a profit. Mm. It was a, it was a very very big thing. Um, uh, there's a, a very angry lawyer named Stucky who um, ended up in so much trouble that he moved to New York and became a loser. Um, but that's a side that's a side story. Gosh. But but Channel Ten would seem to have quite a few very very valuable assets. So it's not like it's just going to vanish into thin air. It's not like they're just going to go, well, shut it down. Oh, well. We've, oh, only, well. we've only got two commercial networks now. That's it. End of story. That not, was fun while it lasted. Not a chance. Like, mm. and, and and this is one of the things that, that frustrates me so much in, in public conversation, in politics, in all this sort of stuff, is that so often part of the conversation is predicated on everyone believing something that probably isn't true. Mm. And the whole conversation goes, well, you know, it's going to be like this. And it's like, but it's not. 
Like, that, that's not how it is. That, that's not the situation we're actually facing. And if we actually look at the situation that we are facing, the whole range of options to us are completely different. A- and yet we don't... Yep. <laughs> we just keep going, yeah, no, but th- but th- th- you need to look at the environment that we're operating in at the moment. And, oh, and, and... <laughs> just. Look, if I hear another Australian free-to-air commercial television network executive or anybody that works for Murdoch bleat and moan about how difficult it is to be in media in 2017, I will hunt them down and slap them across <laughs> the face. It is bullshit. These crocodile tears that they cry over the fact that, oh, how fair is it that there's this huge government organisation that's working, that is competition to us, that's funded by government coffers, that's buying keywords to draw traffic to their stories for their news organisation. Get in quicker, you lazy saps. (laughs) Or or pay more. (laughs) Yeah, work out how to do it so you can do it ahead of them. Or, here's an idea, give us content that we actually want to see that isn't full of trash. It's particularly galling when when, uh, organizations like newspapers especially complain about the abc's online offerings and and so much of it is like you you know if you were doing like a really good job no one would care like no one would care what the abc put out i mean you've only got to look at i mean for for what for a decade or more nine msn was like the the default homepage of every windows machine in australia a free kick and and like does that like part of Nine's digital empire even exist anymore? Has it been no, spun off to gone. God knows what? You no, know, like how could you? How could you with that much? And like they were because of that, they were like the most visited site in Australia the whole time. Yeah. How could how could you not turn that into something profitable? Like this is not our fault as consumers. You no. are obviously doing something very wrong. Oh, you have to cut our license fees as TV networks because we have to compete. You know, it's too hard to make money these days. Now, there, there are a few issues I need to take with that statement. <laughs> Firstly, yes, per capita, the license fees that Australian commercial free-to-air licensed television networks pay are some of the most expensive in the world. Granted. However, our uh, spectrum is more tightly controlled than any other country in the world and should be and needs to be because guess what? You and me as taxpayers, Dave, that's our spectrum. It shouldn't just be given to any Tom, Dick, Harry or Murdoch that wants to broadcast stuff and just goes, like, oh, please, sir, can I have some more? Sure, here it all is. Who's paying for it? Who's going to make sure that then when we need to use it, oh, but we already gave it to them, so sorry. Um, and and the, these are the same people, remember, who got their multi-channel spectrum for free when for we switched free. to digital. So they went from having one station each to having, what, five mm. for free... <laughs> And they're complaining about the fact that they still have to pay for this thing that they use that is a public good. The oppressive quota system that they have to adhere to. My God, if the quota system wasn't there, we would not see any investment in Australian content. Now, I acknowledge that if they reduce or wipe, which is what's proposed, the licence fees, that will give them more money to conceivably invest in Australian content. <laughs> oh, will... but we will. Give us more money so we can invest in Australian yeah, content. Yeah. Guess what they're not going to do? Invest in more Australian content. Why? Because it's a blight on their bottom line. Exactly. All that would happen is that they would end up paying more for the stuff that they import from the US. <laughs> they're not going to say, oh, look, look at all these extra millions we've got. Sure, here come the Habibs. You can have five more episodes a season. Or, hey, Hamish and Andy, we'd like you to p- create a nighttime variety show that runs four nights a week that you host that entertains the masses. The biggest problem 
is that the commercial free-to-air networks didn't work out quick enough how to properly monetize their online game. And so now, for the past 10 years, they've been playing catch-up and their sales teams still don't get how to sell ads on their digital multi-channels or how to sell ads into their online catch-up services because they're idiots. <laughs> not, not just that, because they are also bloody parochial. Oh! Like, if you had... If you had something like, like you look at Hulu in the US, mm. which has gone from basically just being a catch-up service for a number of the free-to-air networks mm. into something that is now uh, producing its own content mm. and becoming a, a revenue source all of its own. Mm. Like you would imagine that a, a little island with only three networks could, could probably come to an agreement to run something like that, wouldn't you? Oh, I couldn't see how the largest. <laughs> storefront enterprise in the world has been making its own television for five years now. And we only just, air quotes, legally got it accessible here in Australia. And they're about to open that storefront proper in Australia. If Channel 7 messes 7, 9 and 10 aren't filling their pants such that they need mummy change them, they should be. Yep. (laughs) Because they've missed... They've missed their opportunity. And their first misstep was when they start, for example, Channel 7 dropped us 7 Mate, 7 Two, and more recently 7 Flicks. Their promos have only just caught up with the fact, hey guys, you're about to watch Home and Away. Over on 7 Mate, we've got a family guy marathon. And then on set, we're telling us what's happening on the other channels, acknowledging that they exist because their problem is no one's, they won't come back to Channel 7. You fuck sticks. (laughs) Sell your advertising (laughs) so that it goes across all four of the channels and online. Give you people that want to sell it value for their money. And guess what? All of a sudden, you're making money hand out of fist, no matter which way people watch your stuff. But, but Steve, if they did that, then how would we get all those fabulous ads for funeral plans and life insurance that we get to love on 7 Mate and 7 2? <laughs> Where would those ads go? Oh, no, sorry, they'd go to Sky. Instead of seeing their digital multi channels, and I acknowledge for the first part, it didn't help that with analog still running and digital running parallel, people who are on analog couldn't get the digital multi channels. But all that did was it gave the, the, the networks an opportunity to go either let's make them as important as our primary channel or let's see them as like the poor idiot younger brothers and sisters that we kind of won't even talk about and we won't treat in any way the same way until all of a sudden now everybody ha- everyone can see them. Not just that. Like digital multi-channeling was a thing in 2006, when the... It was the thing in the year 2000. When, yeah, yeah but, but like by 2006, when the when the World Cup was on in Germany, mm. like digital multi-channeling was even out here in Albury. So like mm. the fact that we are here 11 years later and they're still mm. figuring out their strategy for their multi-channels is like, you know, I don't think the problem is us. I don't think the problem is the consumers. There is absolutely no reason, and I don't say this in a way that is meant to be good, but remembering that Channel 9 resuscitated Big Brother, um, this mm. was within the last five, six years that they didn't rebadge, temporarily rebrand or find extra spectrum to run a 24-hour Big Brother channel, even if it was an hour delayed, even if it was that far behind. But the opportunity for people to then actually look into and it would have been phenomenal. 
because well, it's what, exactly what the program is about. What, what, what wasn't the old channel, channel 10 Big Brother up late? Wasn't that on one of the... Was that on the main channel or was that on one of the other ones? No, it was up late was on 10. I think it did bump over to 11 when they sort of decided it could be a thing. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure... like on the primary channel. Yeah, okay. Yeah, God. It wasn't that thrilling television. But then even then, that was some live crosses, but mostly pre-cut nudie content from earlier. And, and hot dogs asking you to serve <laughs> word I said, puzzles. I've said that twice. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> Just gets me so angry, Dave. I tell you. Because they bleat and moan and they continue to bitch and cry and make out like, no, it's a really hard thing and you don't understand because you don't work in the media. Get fucked. <laughs> it's business, kids. And uh, if you don't yep. give your customers what they want... Oh, they'll find what they want somewhere else. <coughs> Netflix, <coughs> Stan, <coughs> everything else. But see, that's the whole thing, though. It's not just about media, mate. It's about business in Australia. Like, oh. Rent Seeker, the Australian story. <laughs> like, as, as soon as people have to compete, like, as soon as Australian businesses have to compete, and, mm. and I'm not talking about some kind of um, cosy oligopoly, I'm talking about real competition, they all just go whinging, cap in hand to the federal government, going, fix it, fix mm. it. And because over the years they've poured so much money into the pockets of the ALP and the Liberal Party and the Nats, they, they, they jump to attention and go, oh, well, we, we're protecting Australian jobs. It's like, yeah, no, you're protecting a, an owner class who you're very cosy with. Let's, let's not sugarcoat this. But so the interesting thing is now, and this is where the, the, the media thing becomes a really key play, and our conversation has become what should be a TV podcast. I'm sorry, Dave. That's all right. Um, I, I always wanted to be on your TV podcast, but I'm never going to do that. Never. That's all right. I haven't done it properly for probably two years, so... I, my my first memory of TV was our orange couch. It was a very yeah. 70s era thing. And we had one of those TVs. With, oh, sorry. I'm getting distracted. So, yeah, I, I, I gave... I, I had all the questions down pat. Ready to go. Yeah. Never got, um, never got the call. That's all right. It could still happen. <laughs> Maybe someone will go, hey, we need a podcast about television that isn't run by idiots that work in it. Um, <laughs> or, or work in radio that think they know how it works. Um, the, the thing about these media reform, this media reform package that the, the Liberals and Nats are so... Christ, now it's something wonky. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, and I mean it like sorry, this. Sorry, sorry. You're right, because Labor spent just ages propping up all sorts of businesses by providing um, you know, funding opportunities and, and handouts and doing all this stuff to help us and remember, buy Australian, do the things, all of the things. With the media stuff, because the internet has changed everything about the way that you know, Bruce Gingell coming on television, welcome to television in 1956. There's no way they could have guessed that in 2017, we're walking around with small televisions that we carry in our hands and can watch stuff from anywhere in the world. Consequently, the whole model has gone on their ass, but the people that run a television... Astro Boy predicted it. If they had been watching children's television in the early 1980s, they would have seen it. So many things happened in the 80s that told us what we'd be doing now, mm -hmm. like The Simpsons. Um, or nearly. 90s. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to digress really quickly otherwise. But uh, the point is that uh, television is still run by old school television people who aren't even Kerry Packer. Kerry Packer made Channel 9 a monster of a business because he was absolutely about uh, all else about content. We want to be number one. We want to be the thing that everyone watches. So we will make it bloody amazing. Sure, it will cost me a packet, but the payoff is when I get to gloat that I own the number one TV network in Australia. And he did. 
and he spent millions making stars out of people and people tuned in every night to watch Graham Kennedy do all sorts of crazy shit and tr- turned over to watch Trusted News Anchor tell us the news, all of that stuff. Now, that could still be a thing just in digital context, except that blah, blah, blah. Now, for the current government to say this media reform package has to go through, it's because you've got your Foxtels and your 7, 9 and 10 Free TV Australia lobbying them so heavily saying, guys, like we show all of your ads and we do all of the things and we're giving you money. How about quid pro quo here, Clarice? And at least there's some sensibility somewhere within the Labor Party somehow. Uh, and in it's, the Greens... It's probably by accident. <laughs> more than likely. And I can't include One Nation as being any kind of sensible. They just have their own agenda as to why they don't want to do this. They want to shut down the ABC. That's their agenda as far as <laughs> yeah, so. media reform. Um, but they're stopping and going, no, they're like any other business. They have to compete. They have to not just expect all of this to be the way it is. And it's dangerous. I mean, who when do they think they are? People, Mining companies? Exactly. Um <laughs> It's dangerous to give people the opportunity to have full access to 100% of the country in a way, and now I know the internet is doing this for them anyway, but in a way that, oh, you own all of the media in a certain area, do you, um, Murdoch and Channel 7 and Western Australia? Um, what What is it about how that you tell people the way things should be? Oh, fancy that. The Western Australian tells us the mining is great. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought, seen that coming? <laughs> Only people watch Channel 7, so Channel 7 run very pro-mining things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's this ludicrousity that now all of a sudden, the, the, the party that was all behind business and making things, and we had buy Australian, build, get a hold and all those sorts of things, and they're going, no, you guys, you need to catch up. It's because oh. they've got no. It's because they don't get invited. The ALP don't get invited to the good parties. No, they don't. They don't get into <laughs> the, the, the right boxes at the footy. No, that's it. <laughs> they, they get some seats, some tickets, sure, but they're, yeah, yeah. they're, they're in front of the boxes. They get to turn around and <laughs> watch Malcolm. You can sit just in front of the members, but you can't come and sit up here where we've got the little free sausage rolls. <sighs> Do you feel better having that off your chest? <sighs> Almost. I've been wanting to talk with someone about because I've been talking on radio about it, but you mm. only get 30-second grabs to talk about this little bit, and you can't go into the absolute depths of what it's about. And, and then they want to interrupt you and talk about icy cold cans of Coke. Oh, or go with the ABC, we need to provide a balanced and impartial. Oh, <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, that's a question. Are all the regional stations that got rebranded as Triple M, are the announcers still excited about the fact that they're on Triple M now or is the novelty worn off? I think the novelty is almost worn off, but they still get the opportunity to walk around town in their black jacket that says Triple M. Um, which, for you know, anybody that's in radio that's older than probably 30 was the goal. You wanted to go oh, and work yeah. on a big metro station. And Triple mm. M has been a brand now for, I'm going to say, 30 plus years. Oh, easily. So for you to be in regional radio and it's, it's, it's Hofty and the Whoops Nangle on Triple M. <laughs> Triple M. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> it's like, I have made it. All I need to do is grab this and I can send it. To, I'll work on Triple M. <laughs> right at the time when it no longer mattered. <laughs> it's not a damn thing. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I guess on the upside, it makes it easier to network programs out of Sydney as they make all the regional radio people unemployed. Oh, they don't, they, they coming, don't even need to change the sweepers now. It's still it's just Triple M. So quickly. And I don't... This is this is the, the sad part around people who live in regional areas. I don't think they know just how quickly that they're going to have their news read by some jerk sitting in an office in Sydney or Melbourne 
that has no idea how to pronounce their town name and is going to stuff it up. Um, but they're just going to read the news that might have been put together by someone somewhere else. Well, I mean, it's happening so much with the TV that... Like it happened. Well, it's funny. Like um, Win TV down here used to always have Dennis Walter doing our local news, yes. and of course he was in Geelong or somewhere like that. Um, but like people got used to it with the TV news. But I think yeah, you're right. I think it'll be a bit of a shock when it happens on the radio as well. Well, Channel Nine have just made big noises now that they've done the, the changeover with SCA and Win and stuff. Yep. That they're reinvesting in local news, and look, they are. They are putting cadet journo's out there with stand, you know, tripods and cameras and telling them to go and film the news and do stand, you know, pieces to camera and stuff. And that's great. And then the host travels to Willoughby and <laughs> files the report from there and it gets rebroadcast in the local area. That's it. Like they're doing regional news, but the only people in the regions are the poor jerk that has to turn up to Arnie Mavis's 100th birthday celebration, film it, say something punny about how she's the centenarian Blah, blah, blah. I can't remember who the queen is. End of story. <laughs> and then internet scan and send it up to, you know, Sydney where they go edit, plug, pff, done. We're living in the future, Steve. Living in the future. So good. Where's my flying car? <laughs> I don't think... We, uh, yeah. I, I, I just wanted a hoverboard. Look, flying cars are fine, but... Well, allegedly we got them. Not hoverboards! <laughs> don't start me on that! <laughs> I missed you, Stephen Mulk. <laughs> oh, hoverboards are not a thing. It's not wheel. It's not hovering if there are wheels. Idiot. It's just a very badly designed skateboard that catches on fire. And don't start me on fidget spinners. There's no point. You don't have Asperger's, you stupid kid. Stop and think about what you have to do and pay attention in class. How many fidget spinners are in your house now, Steve? Two. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this has been very cathartic talking to you today, Dave. Oh, I'm glad. I, I, I'm so happy that you had a chance to get this Gosh, out. Gosh, I'm feeling every one of my 43 years right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Got that out. I'm ready, I'm ready to face the world for a while, Steve. Let's do it. I love you, Steve Mock. Love you too, Dave. Bye. <laughs>